Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Boom. And we're going to... Bear with me one moment. Turtles, torches. Don, bear with me. The system's halting. Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is your man, Mr. Direct, doing what he does best, bringing you a little bit of real talk. Here we are, the first Saturday, the first Saturday in Black History Month. The first Saturday in Black History Month. We have so much we want to talk about. I want to jump right in and get, you know, I want to get into the conversation because I want people to know how crazy and how great it's going to be to have this conversation today. First, I want to introduce my special guest host. That's right in front of your face, man. I'm right, I'm right here. I'm right here. Uh, Walter Green. Walter, what's going on with you, man? Oh, man. Everything is everything. The same old day in paradise. I'm living my life, and I'm doing a great job of doing that. That's what I love to hear. It's great. You've been on, you were here a couple of months ago. Yep. And I needed you back since. You were schooling me on some financial stuff before we went on. So I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed by your knowledge just so you know, and I feel like about that small talking about things, but we'll get there. I'll I'll get on your level with the, with the financial stuff in a minute. What I want to do as well is introduce my other special guest who is here. Like this guy right here, we had a conversation earlier this week and it was a great conversation. His name is Don Perry. He's the chief executive officer for the digital diaspora, right? Digital Diaspora. Digital Diaspora Family Reunion, LLC. And he's the lead architect of the venture, which basically it's for, it uses the intersection of history and visual literacy to bring people together intergenerationally. His name is Don Perry. Don, say hello to everybody out there. Hello, everyone. There he goes. There he goes. There he goes. How you doing, Don? What's going on with you over there in the Appalachian Mountains? (laughs) <laughs> everything is everything it's really quite good uh it's a it's a lot less stressful being up here in the mountains than it is uh, down in the city and that's a great vantage point uh to kind of see what's happening it's a great vantage point for you to see everything that's happening yes um when you're in the thick of things right uh it, it, things are like pressing on you and you feel that you have to uh, be re- in a, a constant reaction mode to it. But when you're kind of away from it all, you can kind of take the long view and see that, ah, okay, we've been here before and we got over then, we'll get over now. That's a great, that's a great outlook on it. I wanted to ask you, ask you a real quick question. What does Black History Month mean to you? To me, it's an anachronism that we have to continue to engage in because we're not evolving uh, as a species, uh, as human beings. Um, Blacks are no different than whites, than Asians, than Latinos. We're just human beings. All we really want to do is go about our lives, uh, living in paradise, as I heard, uh, and just uh, taking care of the people that we love. And the fact that we can't do that, the fact that uh, it's always questioned uh, in terms of our humanity uh, is why we have to have months like this 
to explain to people that, that which doesn't really need to be explained. We're human beings. We're just like them. Uh, we just want to do the same things that everybody else wants to do. Why is that so unusual? Why is that so difficult? Why can't we seem to evolve uh, to the point where it's irrelevant to have a Black History Month, a, a Latino History Month, an Asian, a wi- just people? I, I like that. Walter, what does Black History Month mean to you? Well, Black History Month means to me is it's kind of like what 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 he just said. It's kind of like you know we've we've been isolated from these particular portions of our of our Black history, and you know they say, okay, well, here's what we're going to give to you right now, so it makes you feel okay. But it, I mean, but it, but it's not good. So we have to sort of like reel it back in and sort of make everything about Black History Month our Black History Month. And then we just absorb all of it and just just bring it in. But, you know, it, it's not something that you can just solidify to 28 days. You can't put it to 28 days. No, because Black history is American history. It's mm-hmm. world history. We have been a part of everything that's happened on this planet since there are human beings. Uh, by some people's uh, um, estimate, we are the mother, the mother race, right? We gave birth to all of this. So <laughs> there is no history that's divorced from our living experience with it. Um, every day is a historical day. Every day we're making history. Uh, and the fact that we are still having to, to create this artificiality around Black History Month, uh, on the one hand, I feel it's almost like uh, an opiate of the masses. Uh, we'll just give them this thing and hope that they'll you know, tamp down and they won't blow things up. Uh, but the fact is, we have to be claiming our power as people to stand up for our rights as human beings so that we can eliminate the need for special celebrations because every day should be that celebration. Let me ask you gentlemen something real quick. Why do you think a lot of people find take issue that we do? And they'll, they'll, they'll say, well, we don't have uh, White History Month. Why do you think people take issue with the fact that it is Black History Month? What do you think's wrong with it? Well, I'll put, I'll put it like this. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that they have white history month like all the time, and and this is not something that is hidden or whatever. I mean, this is something that's blatantly put out there. They put out themselves to have like the best foot forward in every particular moment, as far as history has ever been evolved. It, it's. It, it, it's not even like up for a discussion. I mean, it is just what it is. I mean, we understand that, right? No, it, 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 the, reason why under- I ask, the reason why I ask this is every year, ever since Barack Obama was elected, I've seen more and more people who... Well, no, no, no. You've got to go before Barack Obama. Okay. I mean, you have to go before that. I mean, Barack Obama wasn't the one that decided that there was going to be like... Um, uh, a, a benchmark. It's more so the outrage that I never realized that people had because we had a month. Well, black, well, white folks got extremely mad. Okay. They got extremely mad when there when there was actually something that they can that they can actually solidify their hopes to, and they got they they got they got real mad. They got big mad. I haven't seen this. I haven't seen white people this mad since. Since. Wait. He's paused. He's paused. Wait, no, 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 no. I think the reason. I think the reason really is that. Wait, 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 wait. I, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't, I haven't, seen white people this mad since. You still stuck. Wait, wait. No, he's no, still trying to no, figure it out. No, 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 no. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. I haven't. I, I haven't seen white people this mad. Since black people were just like, I don't want to work for free, and they were just like, nigga, why not? 
I, I mean, nigga, why not? Why the fuck you? No, no, watch language. We're trying not to get out of hand right here. Okay, <laughs> See, Don, I told you it happens. You did. You did. But I, here's the thing. I honestly believe that the reason that there is the backlash is because it point pointedly underscores exactly what the problem is: the erasure of our contributions to 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 this country, well, uh, the erasure of our contributions to well, history. Let's, 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 I, let's I, I think it. that it by putting it in their faces in a way that though they can't deny or can't ignore it, uh, it's upsetting because it upsets the vision that they have of who they are. Because there is no them without us. Wow. That's, that's a powerful message. And I like what you're saying with that. Don, I want you to do me a favor real quick. I want you to talk about what you're going through. Before we do that, we're going to show a video real quick. Okay. And the video is basically of what you do. So I want you to give me a second. We're going to play the video. And then when we play the video, we'll be back in a moment. I want you guys to watch what this is something that Don and it's Thomas Allen, correct? Thomas Allen Harris. Is our so Thomas yeah. Allen Harris, I want you guys to watch this. It's a two minute clip and then we'll be back in a moment. Don't go nowhere. We're just doing real talk, okay. baby. We're having fun. We'll be back. Which comes to mind when you see all the photographs on this table. When I see them all amassed like this, it really touches me regarding the journey of my family. As a filmmaker and artist, I've dedicated my life to reading the meaning in photographs, mysterious portals to the past that speak to our present. Now, I'm traveling through, inviting people to tell their story. If I was a car guy, I would tell you that is a 1948 or whatever. <laughs> but I'm not a car guy, so I can't neither, do neither that. Neither am I. <laughs> Using family photos. Do you have a picture of your dad? This is my dad, I.D. Dad. Whoa. My grandparents came from Poland. Came from Italy. From India. Northern Mexico. From Iran. Exploring the pictures that preserve vital echoes. What happened to this neighborhood? There were a lot of these uh, beautiful buildings that were mowed over. Finding ways to unite communities. These photos are kind of what, what keeps us together. Through our shared family experience. She used to wear my clothes. She, she cut her clothes. Look at this. Family Pictures allows us to come together. And we're one family. And we're one family. <laughs> Join us on this journey, and you'll never see America the same way again. Family Pictures USA, a new series. Don. Don, 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 that was such a great video. What, what was the inspiration behind that when you guys started taking that on? So that project, Family Pictures USA, got started initially uh, because that came out of the, uh, the film that we were doing, Through a Lens Darkly, Black Photographers and the Emergence of a People. That film looked at how African Americans used the camera as a tool for social change. Uh, the, the idea that when the camera was, was introduced to America in 1839 by a man of color uh, named Jules Lyon, uh, it gave the power to the sitter to determine how they would present themselves to the world, how they wanted to be seen. Uh, and that power of controlling one's image uh, was something that Frederick Douglass was very, very uh, uh, interested in as well in order to counteract no, all of the negativity uh, around the black body. Now, part of the problem that we had in making the film is that we were looking for images uh, of, of black families, looking for images by black of black people by black people, uh, and we couldn't find those in the traditional archives. Uh, there were really very few of them collected. Uh, there were lots of images about black people, not taken by them, not uh, authored by them in the sense that the, they, they, they were the ones that initiated the taking of that image. 
uh, there was a lot of stereotypical images. And so we decided to do a kind of a crowdsourcing of, uh, of, of trying to find these images of black families. And we created Digital Diaspora Family Reunion as a traveling roadshow uh, that would take us to different cities, invite people to come and share their family archives with us so that we could then find the images that we were looking for for the film. We were doing that, um, started in 2009. The film was finished in 2014. Uh, and then we, it broadcast on PBS in 2015. And as it was being broadcast, first theatrically and uh, through the, uh, the film festival circuit and then on television, uh, we kept touring. And as we were touring, we got more and more people coming up to us saying, what do I do with all these archives? What do I do with all these images? And so it just kind of opened up for us this hunger uh, that people had to tell their stories. People were doing research uh, about their families, and they were so proud. Uh, you know, we like to say that we're the grandmother's best friend because they've blown out the ears of everybody else in the family, and we're fresh ears. Someone that hasn't heard the story before or seen it before. Uh, and so family pictures becomes a way for us now to share this amazing energy that we've tapped into across the country as we were doing digital diaspora uh, and along the way to give us a chance to underscore once again, as we were talking earlier, uh, the, the commonality of our shared values, our shared history, uh, the fact that all of us are just human beings that are having uh, a, a, a moment in, incarnate, uh, but that at root, we're all the same. I mean, we know intellectually that 99.98% of our genomes are exactly the same. That means that the only thing that differentiates us from one another is 0.2% uh, of the genome. Uh, and in that 0.2% is all of this amazing uh, differentiation that we like to say is just kind of part of God's flowers in the garden. Uh, and, I think, we, I think yeah. that's very powerful. Walter, what was your take on that? Well, I mean, I, I've, I've been talking to the, make sure you're talking to the mic so it picks it up. There you go. Nope, just make sure it's in. That's all. <laughs> yeah, you did. Know, don't don't worry about it. Just <laughs> just I'm just saying, talk into it versus away from it. That's um, all. I'm 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 gonna say it like this. I I I don't believe um the the entire uh message that you're putting out, okay? Because at the same token, you know, there's people that were left behind, and there's a lot of people that were left behind. And, you know, for you to say that, you know, um, everybody that you put out there was, was, was built to do X, Y, and Z. No, it's not, it's not a, it's not a solidified argument, but I do appreciate the argument and the sentiment. I'm sorry. I didn't mean the argument. I meant the sentiment. We have to find commonality. Otherwise, as a culture, we're going to uh, spread apart. Uh, we've got all sorts of things that are dividing us. Uh, division is something that we're really very good at. What we're trying to do is find, well, what holds us together? What is it that unites us? Well, and let's, let's, let's put it like this. Now, let, let's put it for one particular aspect. Now, let's just say that you put it towards um, uh, what's what the hell is the name of that thing? Um, uh, Ancestry.com. Let's say Ancestry.com. And there's another one, a better one, that um, that does it. And what do you do with that, though? What do you do with that information? Well, we're not really focused on Ancestry. What we want to change is oh. the visual imaging of people so that when people think about the other, they can see themselves in the other. Okay. So when you're looking at family photographs, what are you seeing? You're seeing families together. You're seeing people with people they love. You're seeing couples. You're seeing uh, people at play, people on vacation, at picnics, at the beach. Uh, it is incredibly important to see the diversity of people 
of, the, of different backgrounds, ethnicities, uh, cultures in those same poses. Because then what it does is it, it, it gets us to think that, wow, I have things that look like that. Those could be my people. I in think fact, that's a very powerful, I think, not to interrupt you, I think that's very yeah. powerful. It's the images that they've shown of African-Americans over the years for many people has always been negative. Like we also always say, if we weren't chasing behind a ball, if we weren't, you know, holding, being stick up kids, they used to never really show the positive images that you're like me. I'm hanging out with my parents on a Sunday evening, eating dinner, having Sunday dinner the same way by showing people that we have the same traditions and that we both do the same thing. You're going to knock down the walls for some people. And they're going to be like, wow, maybe I've been ignorant and maybe I've looked at it differently versus some people are going to be ignorant and saying, I just don't want to be bothered. But some people are going to see those commonalities and say they're no different than we are, which is a powerful message. No, what we're going to say is I'm not going to I'm not going to go out on every Saturday or Sunday or whatever. And this is my life on Sunday and Saturday. Somebody needs to get their hair done. It's not the fact that we can get to go out there and just get and just go out there and just bathe. In 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 the, in the moonlight. That's not the way that it works. No. Okay. Sunday means that somebody's getting their hair done. <laughs> I, I well, and, and having that image, you know, that's going to resonate with more than just uh, the people in that family. There's going to be some contradiction somewhere where people are going to say, "Well, that you know, we do the same thing." It's not that different from what Frederick Douglass was trying to do in using his own image as a way to transform the way people thought about black people. It's about changing the visual narrative so that people can, because at his time, right. Americans didn't have any connections, you know, unless you were in the South and unless you were uh, involved in, in that slave system, most Americans had had no connection, no uh, you know, uh, interplay with black people at all. They didn't know a black person. Well, right? here's, 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 and even here's, now, here's, even here's, now, here's, we are so segregated <laughs> that most people, you know, they may, the closest they'll come to having uh, interaction with people that are not like them might be on a subway or a bus or in a mall. Uh, so we are still stuck in silos in terms of how we're viewing people that are outside of our circle. And, and so and, the and, idea and, of and creating this meta circle through Family Pictures USA really is about breaking down the visual silos that people are in so that they can expand their perspective of who those other people are. I think that's, I think that's great. What were you going to say, Walter? Well, I think, I think that it's very important for us to sort of illuminate on the fact of, you know, just because you're older than me, it does not mean that you have a bigger story to tell than I do. Um, I'll put it like this. My father is the the grandfather of a great, 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 a great, great, great slave. And this is not a story that I take lightly. This is not something that I want to just put out there and just simply say, well, you know, at some point we have to get over it. No, no, I don't get over it. I'm never going to get over this story, you know, because this is a story that hurts my entire family. You know what I'm saying? Nobody ever has ever told a white person that they need to get over a story that harms them okay it's only when it comes to black people where it comes to the point where they need to say okay well at what point are you going to get over this story that you've been given and i'm not going to get over this story I okay but hold on for a second walter i don't believe that it's a, showing the pictures is about getting over it sometimes you have to show he legitimately he told me to get over the story. No, it's not getting over the story. What he's saying is we need to find legitimate common ground at some point so we could bring some people over. You don't have to get over your story. Your story is your story. But if we want to start healing, we do have to find some common, some common ground and, and show each other, like, listen, 
You're no different than me, but, but, but you could still have your story. No, here's the well, thing. Well, in fact, here's, 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 hold on, here's, here's, hold on. Here's, here's we all got to take turns talking. Hold on. I'm sorry, and and I'll get, I'll get, I'll, I'll give you two seconds. I'll get, I'll give you two seconds right when I'm done. Hold on, I, I Don. Hold on for a second. Go ahead, Walter. You, if I was a Jewish person, you would never ever think about having your argument that you're going to put out right now. Go. No, what we're saying is we want those stories. That stories are absolutely essential to bridging the differences between people. We don't want to lose it. The problem is no, no. The problem. Hold on, is, let him finish. No, no, no. We gotta let him finish. Is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The problem is that people don't see one another on the same plane. I want you to say which people. Everyone. No, you has, have to say no. which people. Because, because everyone has. I know. I know the people that I'm. I'm behind. Like they're not. I'm, they're, Walter, you gotta let them finish. You're, you're cutting okay, them off. Okay, you gotta okay, let them finish. Okay, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Don. No. People. What people? Who stop. they are? God Walter, damn. Walter, stop. Seriously, you gotta let them finish. Okay, okay. You can't do that. Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> people, regardless of who they are, have a very difficult time. Seeing folks that aren't exactly like them as human, as on a par with them. That's why we have these differentiations between us and them. And it doesn't matter if it's uh, you know, blacks looking at Latinos, whites looking at blacks, whites and blacks looking at Muslims. All of that, all of that is because we inherently have this hard wiring that says, if you're not part of my tribe, it's not a hard you're wiring. the enemy. It's, it's right? not a hard and wiring. What we're trying to do is to, to, to say that all of that distinction, all of that division is absolutely immaterial. The fact is, we're all human. The fact is, we all want the same things. We're all trying to achieve the same things. We all want to be able to love the people that we love, to do uh, activities with them that make us happy, that gives us pleasure. That's it's life, wiring. liberty, pursuit of happiness, right? Everybody wants Hold that. on. Let, There's you no gotta let black or white version of that. It's but you got Walter, that. you have an – hold on. Walter, you have an opinion that is important. No. He has an opinion that's important. But, you can't interrupt him while he's making it. Here's the thing. Here's you got to let him speak is my point. Thing. Here's the thing. I want him to come off as either hard left, but you can't hold on time out hold on for a second hold on hold on hold on walter hold on for a second you can't no walter first of all your microphone is there you walk away from the microphone you got to stay at the microphone second of all what i'm saying is everyone's got their own approach to how they want to come over and say let's solve what our differences are you can't insist on don who's blessed us to come on our show He's an executive producer, produced many shows. Right, right. You can't attack him and put down the work that he's doing if it's benefiting us in some way. While he's respecting Yo. your – hold on, let me finish. You're not – you keep interrupting. But you got you to gotta let us finish. You can't interrupt. You got to let us finish. If, no, if Don, if Don has an opinion, okay. you got to let Don do what he says, what he no, says, and not interrupt him. Okay. And the same way he's not interrupting you when well, you're saying your opinion. Did, no, he didn't. You guys are going. Listen, he's doing a great job explaining Family USA, which is what I his his work, interviewing him, talking to him, seeing what he's done. There are so many stories about us that are out there now because people are taking their pictures and sharing the stories. He's not asking us to forget our stories. He's saying use our stories to show that we built, we progressed. Other people have too. So now if they see that we built and progressed. Okay, I'm just saying if we built and progressed together. Uh, okay, I'm just. I'm sorry, continue. But Walter, you keep interrupting me. You gotta let me finish. No, you no, can't keep I, putting I, me I, off. Oh, I can, I, you can't keep cutting me off. <laughs> Don, by the way, we do have to go to a commercial. Can you bear with us one moment? We're gonna go to a commercial real quick. Sure. Thank you. Bear with me one moment. We gotta go to a commercial. We'll be back in a moment. It's your man, Mr. Direct. It's Walter Green. It's Don Perry. Listen, man, it's it's the black experience and we're having fun. And that's what it's all about. Differences of opinions coming together and everyone having fun. It's the black experience. We'll be back in a moment.
Your man, Mr. Direct, told you he was going to stay around and get more interviews. I got another dynamic interview. It's about to go down. Can I get your name? Minister Carolyn from the streets of New York from Helping Hands Ministry. How long have you been doing that? Oh, since 2001, I uh, had a vision. And the pastor said, okay, you have to go fulfill it because you've been called to go out. I had been studying since five, uh, 2000, no, 1993. Okay. And under the pastor. I can respect that. This is my vision. Amen. Going out, engaging people of a diverse background and letting them have a little bit of real talk. So we can meet, we can visualize and understand each other on that. You're following a dream, which I always encourage people to do. Where were you on September 11th when the planes hit? Well, I had, this is my first time being, working the polls and I had a friend who got me signed up and I said, okay, this time I'm going to work the polls and uh, in that way. And uh, we were inside the polls and certain people had televisions, which we won't say any names because they were not <laughs> supposed to. They used to have the tiny TVs and they had DVDs. They were watching movies and they were listening to MP3s and the Walkmans at that time. You see, you see the ministers throwing people underneath the bus in a subliminal way. We, we didn't mention any names. <laughs> They're not supposed to do that. So we went. We just kept to ourselves and tried to be, you know, get along. And you don't tell on people. This is my first time. I don't know what to do. She she came with me, but she was going to decide to go on her interview, which was at the Twin Towers. And I said, Oh no, you're not. You told me you were going to come and help me. This is my first time being worker and I enjoyed it and everything but up until the time she said a plane just hit the building what building wow. she said the Twin Towers I said oh no no it did not this was not a uh, this was not just a, um, a mistake this was deliberate because they did it tried it 10 years before that I said if they if they don't tear that building down I don't know what they're going to do because they just just keep trying these different stunts all over the city this is a good question for you since you said that how do you feel now that in a lot of movies they're editing out the Twin Towers? Like they're totally abolishing it, like like it never existed. Well, it's back now. They just built a new one side, and then they have this ditch in the ground where the old one used to be, and they're getting ready to build that another one there. Oh, so they are going to build the second tower there? Organic hole where the old one was. I know they're not going to leave it like that. It's just like a wreck. It's just like a big ditch, and it's being constructed little by little. Okay. That's, that's what so is. So I'm, I'm, I'm understanding that something's going to be built there. So the, the media is calling New York City the city of heroes. What do you think is, the, you know, what do you think they're talking about when they call us the city of heroes? I think that they're trying to boast and put puff themselves up because, you know, the military is our people that we need to keep in prayer. And mainly the president and our world leaders, we need to keep them in prayer so they don't go into a friction and they and meet and agree and maybe even get prayer people to come in and give them some hope on what to do with this with this world we're living in before they crash and burn. They're all getting to, to become, you know, more aggressive and angry at one another like the Korean person over there. And I keep him in prayer as well. You said something very, very powerful about having people come in and pray, and I love that. Why do you think we're moving further away from God and being less involved with the church and religion and moving in an opposite direction? What about the church do you think is off-putting to some people? Well, there's a movie called Zeitgeist. We're all on, they're putting people on this tightrope saying we don't have enough to meet the needs of the people, we don't have enough jobs, so everyone has to fight like cats and dogs for a job and hate each other and discriminate each other to get along, and they're not even getting along, they're causing racism to grow, and then they're pressing and pushing you to accept gayism and don't say a word or you're going to jail. Since when do you go to jail for, you know, just having an opinion? And, you, you know, oh, now it's discrimination. They're trying to lock everybody up that, uh, you know, not going along with what they're considering to be the norm and put it, trying to put them in jail or put them in the mental ward and telling them you are 
either mentally ill or you're you got high cholesterol or diabetes, one or the other. You're going down. You're going so, down if you try to live healthy. Very, very powerful on the inside of that, and it goes back to one of the questions we have about freedom. Because what you were saying, one of the things is that you don't have the freedom to do certain. To get notifications when we go live, you first have to like our page. After that, select the arrow next to following, scroll down to the pin next to notifications. Now, select all lives posts, then click done. To get notifications when we go live, you first have to like our page. After that, select the arrow next to following, scroll down to the pin next to notifications. Now, select all lives posts, then click done. We are back. We're back doing what we do best, giving you a little bit of that real talk. Don, are you still with us? I'm still with you. That's what I like to hear. It's good to know you're still here. That was a commercial. I'm showing the best commercials that I've done as far as street interviews. That was a street interview I did with a young lady. She was a minister. And the first words, like I told you before you came on, I said, if you don't swear, I won't swear, right? Because she saw me talking to the person before, and the person before was dropping F-bombs. He was a, um, a, a war veteran from the Vietnam War. And she was like, oh, I don't want to be. I said, if you don't swear, I won't swear. And then she got nervous, and then she came on, and she said that. And at the end of it, she goes, wow, you really didn't swear. I'm like, I told you. I don't swear if you don't swear. I try to make people feel comfortable so that they can enjoy themselves and say whatever they got to say. It's never about my opinion. It's always about everyone else's because it's the dialogue that I think that people need nowadays. And I'm a big advocate for dialogue. And believe me when I tell you, I got enough people wanting to kick my behind because my dialogue is a lot different than theirs. <laughs> well, this is really important. You know, her voice, to have someone... Uh, like yourself, stopping someone like that on the street to say, I want your story. Uh, I want to give you the spotlight. That's incredibly important in an era where we're all so celebrity focused or celebrity, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're just kind of uh, in, in awe of celebrity. But before there were boldface names, right, there are just human beings doing what they do. Uh, and so part of what we want is to put the spotlight through family pictures on just the ordinary person. We want to hear ordinary truth because in that ordinary voice is something very extraordinary, a voice of reason, a voice of sanity. I mean, you know, we talk about how little people are just kind of like uh, ignored in our culture and our system because, oh, you know, they're not celebrities. But that's where truth is too. Uh, we need to see them. We need to put a, a spotlight on them. We need to have as many of their voices and their images as possible into the, the, the visual mix, because it's only that way that we'll really be able to see that diversity of opinion that we're, we, we say we really want, but it's also where we'll begin to have real dialogue. You, know, you can't have dialogue if everything is all one way. No, I hear you. What were you going to say? Make sure you talk to the microphone because I'm recording it. You, you're, you're leaning away from the microphone. Everything is fine. No, what were you going to say? I was about to ask. Okay, I'm just asking because what, what were you thinking about with dialogue? Absolutely nothing. Nothing? Okay. You sure? No. <laughs> well, Walter has nothing to say about the, what you should because I think you say some very important things. I love, I love a lot of stuff that you say. Here's the things that I was going to say. <laughs> I want to say that, you know, I'll, every time that I go out and stand up and go out and look around my yard, like, it's it's not like, you know, I'm just going out there to, to do, like, some random stuff. No. But what? Like, 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 like white people that like, you don't go outside to say that you're going to go outside to find out what your, what your front yard looks like. Like only black people do that. Are you, I, I'm having a hard time understanding that. I'm saying when I go out, I'm actually interviewing people and talking to them and getting to hear their stories. But don't you need to hear people's stories to, to relate to them? 
that's and I think that's what I'm saying, and that's what we're doing here. We're we're getting people's stories and relating to them and bringing people together. You're not even talking. (laughs) Microphone, dude. (laughs) He's got the microphone out of the socket and it is sitting there. So what I'm doing also. Go ahead, Don. Yeah, I mean. Walter, though, have, has made some very interesting points, and, and particularly in terms of, of black pain and the, uh, the necessity of making sure that that pain has voice and people you know, have an opportunity to respect where it's coming from. We did a, 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 an event at Howard University a couple years ago, and we invited people, all sorts of people in the Howard community all around that Howard, uh, D.C. area to come and share their stories. And one of the women, one of the, one woman who shared her story, uh, had the entire audience, just about 150, 200 people, enthralled. And this was a fairly diverse audience. And people don't think that that U Street area you know, is particularly diverse, but it is. Uh, it's African American. It's African. Uh, it's Latino. Uh, it's Asian. And there's a sprinkling of white folks in there too. And that was what was reflected in the audience. We had blacks. We had people from all of different parts of Africa. Uh, we had people from different parts of, of Central and, uh, and Latin America. But her story told the truth that people in this country have to really understand. And her truth was she very light-skinned woman. Uh, her family lived on a property in Virginia. They had been on that property uh, for a very long time, uh, her great great grandmother uh, had been raped what? by the owner uh, of that what? plantation and bore uh, bore some children by him. Uh, and one of those was her grandfather. Um, and over the course of generations, uh, her family uh, made a vow that they were going to own that plantation. Um, And the way they did it was uh, subsequent generations would go up north, they passed for white, they made money, sent it back back to the black relatives, and slowly over time they treated the capital necessary to buy that land. You're gay. It's, it's still cluttered over there. That's why I wanted you to go that way. Still in the family today. Uh, and people from Africa hearing that story were kind of like, wow, we had no idea, right? Uh, white people hearing that story, um, they had to acknowledge their complicity in freezing out people to the point where it was necessary for certain people to pass in order to do this. But it speaks to the truth about this country. It speaks to the experience of of Africans in this country. And that's one of the reasons why we do what we do, because we provide a frame for those stories to be able to come out and for them to be placed side by side so that they are equated with what we consider to be, what what has come down to us as kind of like received wisdom, right? Um, So by, by creating this new frame and putting these stories centrally in the frame. It's like bringing the family history together to say, well, you can't leave any of these pieces out because it, it, it's all part of the same uh, stew that makes this country what it is. And that's kind of why we do what we do, is to make sure that we don't leave out these difficult stories and difficult truths. Hold on, I got to go to All right, Don, we're going to go to commercial real quick and I'll be right back, okay? Great. Thank you. What does freedom mean to you? It's everything, because if you can't pray and worship your own God without somebody trying to throw you in the nut house, the mission we had on 9-11 was God, because if God wasn't with us, they would have blew the whole city up, not just two buildings. You know what's an amazing thing when you say that? When the towers fell, there was that one cross that just happened to be there. It was a steel beam, and it was a cross. 
And there's a powerful picture somewhere about that, but literally it stayed and it was by itself. Like everything else went and that stayed. And I thought that was a powerful message to send to people as far as, listen, we are protected by God, one nation under God. And where did they find the cross? Right on top of the building. Yeah. Like, that's the victory. You see, you're doing all your stuff on the down low. It's not covered up because God sees it. God sees all things. And eventually, like right now, I was down here after praying by, I was motivated by the Spirit to come down here and pray in the Twin Tower, go over by the Brooklyn Bridge, go over by the mayor, and then go up even further by 42nd and stop and have a time of prayer over by the library on 42nd. I've been all over the city praying since last month mm-hmm. because when September comes, it's harvest time and due season, you people reap what they sow. So this is the end of this is the end of season time for people doing that a long time. So when does it end? Where, you 100%. Know. Do you have a particular way to get your sandwich? I know it sounds odd, but we ask all kinds of questions. Do you have a, do you have a particular way to have a sandwich press? Yes. One thing is don't put the lettuce and the cheese on the bottom. Duh. <laughs> Who's but, been, do- been you, doing this? But if you do the lettuce and the cheese on the bottom, doesn't the cheese kind of get for the lettuce? That's you know, friends benefit from, you know, what the meat of the sandwich is, okay? Okay, we're not talking about peanut butter. I'm not going into that. I'm not going That's not a sandwich. That's just a Peanut butter and jelly is not a sandwich? That's for babies. They don't, ha- they don't know anything. You don't like a good peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Yeah, once after 10 years go by, I, my kid, I was nervous. <laughs> I actually make peanut butter for homeless and take it. I, I, I ha- I'm a hypocrite now, right? I give it to them, but I don't. I do eat it every now and then. I actually do. I, I get donated bread from the churches. And then I get the peanut butter and jelly from the store, and I go out to the streets, and if I see somebody, I give them whatever I can afford. I can't afford, you know, I'm not on a big paycheck here. Serving the Lord is not has paid off as well as it should, but it, I, I see great things up the road, so I'm just going to keep having faith. What do you think has changed in New York City since 9-11? 9-11, okay. Well, I could tell you that the prophets, I'm, I have going on YouTube and seeing what other prophets are saying, and they're saying that the people are getting meaner, they're getting less patient with each other, and God is not with that, and their punishment is on the way because they are exhibiting snake-like spirits. They're biting and ravaging one another and, and killing each other, and they're blaming everyone else because they won't resist their temptation and their lust and their desire. God is not with you he's against that and the punishment is on the way don't look up in the sky and see the sun and say god has forgiven my sin he makes the sun to shine on the wicked as well as the righteous but he has when you want to be forgiven you love your neighbor as yourself and you do unto others as yourself you don't go around picking on people and this is what i i had just experienced over by lincoln center i was recording the the beautiful ballet thing that they had a police officer just took my bike and started walking away, and I had the camera, and I said, oh, that's mine. And he started telling me, you can't leave it, let it lean against the glass, and it wasn't leaning on the glass. So I said, I'm going to take it now, and then I started to move away, and he started stopped me, and he started talking, and he put his finger up by my eye, and he did it again, and I said, okay, I told you I was going to leave. Just leave me alone. Don't point in my face like that. I wow. try to respect you. You got gold brass buff buttons on your white shirt. <laughs> I, that doesn't scare me. I will tell you off in front of everybody. You're a New Yorker. And this is, you know, my, my right. Steal my right. And you're trying to steal my blessing. I, I'm trying to have some peace in here, around here. Totally understand. How do you feel when some Congress members stalled on passing a 9-11 bill for the first responders of 9-11? Some who? Congress members? First, yeah, they, they, stalled, stalled. they stalled on it. Like they didn't want to pass it. What were they going to do as a benefit for them? What do you well, mean? they basically, they were trying to pass it. This was a health bill for, for, there was some sicknesses that fell on. Some of the 9-11 first responders fell ill, and it was a direct reflection of what happened on 9-11. They stalled on the bill to pass it so that these guys could get health care to cover them because it's specific illness from 9-11. They were supposed to sue them because first you start something, you allow who to stop you from being a blessing 
The more you bless, the more you get blessed. That's your safety in giving. Whenever you give, you receive from God. And, and even if you don't see anything physical, you get your health, you get protection. Our country is protected by God. I don't care what these devils that come here trying to say New Yorkers are nasty and mean. Those are the outside people trying to make us look bad. And they need to stop the crap as well. Excuse, forgive my uh, vernacular. But they need to stop trying to make us look bad with this bad attitude behind the counters in the stores. They talk like, you know, they don't have to smile at you. They don't have to respect you. Yes, they are an example for the whole, for the whole. And they make everyone in New York look bad when they do that. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time. My that was so, see, and Thank I did, you. And, and my queen. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. We're going to come back. Don't go anywhere. We got more interviews. It's what we do, baby. It's real talk on the streets with Mr. Direct. I'm out of here. Of course. We are back. We are most definitely back doing what we do best, giving you a little bit of real talk. I told you that was going to be a good interview. (laughs) Walter, Walter had an emergency, so he had to go. So, Don, it is just you and I at this point. Okay. I, I hope I, I hope you're okay with it just being you and I. <laughs> I, I, well, I hope it, it is just because Walter had to go and I didn't chase him away. No, no. What what I always say what I always say is well, what I always say is when people come on my show they have the freedom to say what they want to say. I just say be respectful of each other, and I think for him to be completely honest with you, I think for him he was feeling a little bit under the weather. And because he was feeling under the weather, he was like, dude, I got to go. I was like, all right, go ahead. You know what I mean? I'm very big. I'm always big on everybody having a voice. I always just say, no, nobody cut over anyone else. You know what I mean? Right. So I try to keep it there. But I want to talk to you about a few things real quick. So we were talking about uh, Black History Month. So one thing I wanted to talk about was one of the people I wanted to cover was Mary McLeod Bethune. Right. Mm. What do you know about her? National Council of Negro Women. Yes. Um, And uh, she was one. Well, this is the thing about uh, civil rights, right? Everybody thinks it's all the men, what the men were doing. But the women were, were, were right in the vanguard as well. And what she was doing was equally as important as anything that Dr. Martin Luther King or any of the other men of the movement were about. Um, And it it was really part of a concerted effort to show that we are respectable people and that we, whether we're men or women, we have a role to play to help advance the ideals of this country. And uh, and she was, she was, uh, she was one right there in, in, in the, the front lines of it all. I think that's great. What I loved about her story was she was big on education. Precisely. And when they tried to pull education from her, she still sought education. She opened up a school based off of people need to be better, you know? And one of the things that I loved, uh, that I loved about her was in 1935, she became a special advisor to President Roosevelt on minority affairs. So to say that the government hasn't always had an, you know, an interest in it, good or bad, even if you disagree and say the government doesn't care, to know that there are pioneers who were there and trying and attempting to bring our message to the, to the majority of people and saying, even if you don't care, we're here and this is what's going on in our society. I think that's a powerful message unto itself. You know, if you really want to go back in terms of education, uh, who had the biggest stake in advancing free education for people? 
it was people who had been formerly enslaved. And so one of the very first things that the uh, Radical Congress, uh, right after uh, the Civil War, passed was universal education for everyone. And formerly enslaved people who had been elected then to the House of Representatives passed that law. That was the first time that free education, publicly provided, had been mandated in, in the country. Everybody was supposed to be given an education. Now, that goes back to 1860, you know, 1868. Oh, I hear you on that. The next person, uh, can I ask you something? What do you know about Black Wall Street? Because that's really big for a lot of people, Black Wall Street. So uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Greenwood, uh, just outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, a very, very prosperous black town. Uh, it, and it had a lot of banks. It had uh, hotels. Uh, it had uh, all sorts of businesses. I mean, remember in the 1900s, 1920s, um, we were living under Jim Crow and, and it was segregated. Uh, and so black people had to create their own uh, economy. Uh, and uh, in, in Tulsa, uh, this one particular area uh, was huge in terms of the doctors, lawyers, dentists, uh, uh, people having uh, all sorts of uh, stores, uh, uh, businesses, farms, and it was quite prosperous. It was more prosperous than the white towns that surrounded it. Uh, and, and that's where you know, the, the name Black Wall Street kind of came from. Uh, because Wall Street it was uh, this idealized thing sitting here in New York. Uh, so any place that there was uh, considered to be a street uh, or, or, or an area of, of great wealth and prosperity uh, had the Wall Street tag on it. But there was a lot of jealousy about uh, the economic vitality and strength of this black community in Tulsa. Uh, and uh, as often happened in the, in the South, uh, there was a, a trumped up charge of uh, you know, uh, black men raping white women, uh, and it, it just became the excuse uh, for an all out riot, a race riot that saw the destruction of uh, a lot of those businesses, uh, the murder of uh, hundreds of citizens, uh, and the, the destruction of, um, of that self-sufficient community. And, and I think that's very powerful because even if you talk about it now, you know, people always talk about how the black communities can't take care of themselves. The black communities can't do enough for themselves. But every time we've seen a successful community that has prospered, you know, black people taking care of themselves and doing whatever, somehow, some way that somebody goes in somehow and the community gets destroyed over rumors. You know, uh, the movie years ago, Rosewood, right? right? It was the same thing. The blacks had a thriving community. It was doing very well. They, they lived amongst those that didn't necessarily like them, but it was a good community. They were able to get stuff done. And then a woman falsely claimed that she was raped by a black man. And the next thing you know, they just went on a rampage and killed everyone that was in the area, which, right. you know, it's, they always claim, you, you know, I get upset when they say, well, it's, you know, the black people don't know how to take care of themselves. I have to ask you, do you believe that there's an undermining factor where when we start to, somebody kind of says, no, you can't do this alone. You need us. And if you do it alone, we're going to remove your feet from it. We're going to take your whole base because we don't want you to do it without us. What you were saying with the jealousy. <laughs> there, there certainly has been that. Uh, and and uh, there, there is a core truth um, that uh, – we have been undermined at every single step of the, of the way. Uh, every time we try to do something on our own, uh, obstacles and roadblocks have certainly been put in the way. Uh, you just have to look at the story of Oscar Michaud, uh, who was the first real black filmmaker uh, and, and created his own studio uh, and was putting out movies uh, almost once a week. Uh, he was uh, done in, if you will, because the white studios, who didn't really pay attention to black audiences, but uh, they, they did notice that there was a market for race films. Um, and they hit an economic uh, down patch uh, and people weren't going to the movies. And they literally stole 
uh, Michaud's market by creating their own race movies as a way to save themselves. So before there was black exploitation, there was black exploitation. Uh, <laughs> so we didn't have it yet, but damn it, it was a way that it was there already, right? <laughs> Correct. Correct. That is an amazing thing. What I love about you, we're at the hour mark, so we're going to end the show there. I want to thank okay. you so much for coming on the show. And I, let me My, tell you, I love your message. You know, <laughs> you're trying to show how we're more the same than we are different. And I love that. I, if we can't find, like, I don't care how, like, people say I'm the angry racist black guy, right? And I always tell people, talking about what goes on in the black community and how we're angry about it, it doesn't mean that we're not looking to unify us. But if we don't talk about it, how do we ever solve the issues of what's going on? You know what I mean? Well, well, again, I, I want to go back to, uh, to that first Congress after slavery, uh, after the Civil War, the first Reconstruction Congress, where you had uh, you know, the largest number of Blacks in elected officials in the Congress at any time in our history. These are people who had been formerly enslaved and if anybody had a right to be angry, to be bitter, uh, to be out for revenge, it was those folks. And what did they do? They passed laws to say one man, one vote. They said universal education. They passed universal health care in 1868 because wow. they knew that it wasn't just good for black people, it was good for all people, right? So I see what's happening now, really, as, as an opportunity to revisit that whole Reconstruction period when we could, have, we could have advanced ourselves, we could have done better, but jealousy, rage, racism destroyed that moment. It's been Black people who have been holding America to its truth, its ideals, to its simple you know, freedom. We have been the ones saying, you said these things in the, in, in the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, that all men are created equal. You either believe it or you don't. Wow. And if you do, then you have to believe that we are your equals too, right? That's yes. been one of, the, one, of, one of the hidden truths about our presence in America is that I think, at least, we are holding this country to its ideals. And it either believes in them wholly or it doesn't. I want you to tell people about the Indiegogo page. Tell them about it real quick. I got it up on the screen. Yes. So we're doing a campaign to try to finish uh, some episodes that we shot in Detroit as part of our pilot season. And if you go to uh, familypicturesusa.com, that's familypicturesusa.com, you'll see the link for our Indiegogo campaign. We have um, an ability to give you uh, tax deductions for those donations. And so we hope that if you go and that you contribute, uh, just reach out to us and uh, we'll get you the necessary forms. But uh, this, is a, this is crowdsourcing our healing. Uh, and uh, the more people that participate, the more people that become part of the American family, the Family Pictures USA community, uh, we think that it's, it's going to be contributing to our healing as a culture, as a society, as a people. I think that's a great message, and I want to thank you for sharing that with me. What I do want to say before we go, I'm going to play a clip from Little House on the Prairie. I spoke to you about it earlier. And the reason why I want to play it is we all imagine how homely things were back in the 60s and the 70s, and they were less intense. It's a scene between Michael Landon and Todd Bridges. Right. And the only thing is about it is the gentleman, you know, Michael Landon at the beginning of it was just saying, you know, hopefully things will change. Things are going to change. Things are going to be a lot better. Right. Now, understand this is based off in the 1880s, 1870s. Right. The show is so powerful. Right. This 30 second clip is so powerful because of one thing. And I'm not going to say it. You and I have already discussed it, but we're going to I'm going to let you guys see it. And then we're going to go. Don, I want to thank you so much for joining us here. I Great. Hope, My I, pleasure. I thank hope you. I didn't scare you off and you want to come back on the show again. <laughs> I, I, you, you didn't say anything. I'm Absolutely. hoping you want to come back on again. <laughs> Anytime. Anytime. Thanks. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. Until the next time, my people, is the Black Experience, Mr. Direct's Real Talk. I appreciate everybody that participates. Thank you for Walter Green. He had to go in an emergency, but thank you so much for that. Thank you for everyone that's here, part of the Black Experience. Thank you for everyone viewing. Don, thank you for being part of it. We'll be back in two weeks doing more Black History Month and doing more of what? Mr. Direct's Real Talk. We'll be back. Be black and live to be 100. Go away and live to be 50. Sorry about that. We're good. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.